All movements start with a question. Does the story I've been told still make sense to me? Or will I write my own? Join Tara and Joe as they question assumptions, think about ideas, and explore what it means to create your life from the inside out. Hey, hello everyone. Hi. Hi, Joe. Hi, Tara. Guess what? What? Today, I'm the one who's going to go off on a rant. Excellent. (laughs) So, today we're going to be talking a lot about health, so I'm glad you're here because you you, uh, definitely have more memory and knowledge of some of like the health facts and statistics and things like that, but I was reading an article last week. I don't know if you saw it, um, but it it really got me fired up about health and how how I just I just want to shift the conversation, like the conversation we're having and we've been having for the past year or if you really think about it, probably decades, hundred years, <laughs> long time. Like it's just it's time to shift the conversation. So I want to share with you some of the things that I I saw in this article, but then um, talk about, first of all, the faulty premise that is based on, and then some of the things that that we could be talking about instead. So this article was in Bloomberg Business Week by, and I did not write neatly enough to see this, but by Robert... Langreth, I think. And it was titled The Five Things to Get Right Before the Next Pandemic. And so you can look that up. You could look through the article yourself. I'm going to reference parts of it. But that's the article that I, I clicked on because I was like, okay, I'm curious. What are the five things that we need to get right before the next pandemic? And I quote, and there will be a next one and another one after that. <laughs> And so part of me was just like, okay, thanks, thanks fear-mongering. So there's that. So there's this fear. And then he went through these five things. So one was pathogen surveillance. Two was repairing and augmenting the, the WHO. Three is genetic sequencing of viruses. Four is developing more vaccines faster. And five is ironing out distribution and logistics. But this is what got me really fired up, was this quote from Richard Hatchett, CEO of the Coalition for Epidemic Preparedness Innovations. And this quote was hugely bold in the article. And it said, it's not part of the world against any other part of the world, but the world against the viruses. Hmm. And I thought, oh my gosh. Like, such a faulty premise. So, like, the war on terror. Right. So, so the we're... The war on drugs. We're trying not to... He's like, it's not, it's not about country versus country. It's, it's yeah, it's the war... It's, it's us against the viruses. <laughs> so, those, those, the war on terror and the war on drugs, like, they work they, out so they're well. Working, they're working out so well. Hmm. But not only that, but I, I you know, okay, terror, drugs... Um, War against the viruses. Okay, so nature against nature. Right. Like we're gonna we're we're seriously thinking that we can 
It is what? part of the world. I guess part of the world. It, yeah, it is part of the I'm like, what are we, are we thinking we can truly eradicate viruses? Like, is that... They thought the same thing about bacteria with, uh, with the invention of antibiotics. Yes. Let's see how that's gone. That's gone very, very poorly. Um, yes, and we've talked about that in another episode. So I just... It's just, this is, so in my head, I, I just was like, are we kidding our, like, we're just kidding ourselves that we can possibly think that as a, an organism that exists in the natural world, like that is the answer. First of all, like, let's just talk about some of the times that we've tried to do this in human history. Um, and it's gone horribly wrong. So first of all, let's talk like pesticides. Pesticides is a good one. DDT. Yeah. So so what's the time? What's another time where we thought, oh, we can control, eradicate. We've got this thing. <laughs> pesticides. Um, well. And we have horribly off balanced the entire natural ecosystem that we are a part of. This is what I don't get. How do we not recognize that we are a part of this? But there's still plenty of people that are spraying pesticides on everything, right? Like they, right, and we continue to have decline in fertility. If, yeah, increase in cancer, increase mm-hmm. in autoimmune disorder, uh, pollution in our water systems, yeah. right? And, well, in DDT was birds, endocrine problems. That's hormonal imbalance. Um, DDT was well, that was in the 70s, right? 60s and 70s when Rachel. Carlson came out with Silent Spring. I want I want to place it in the 60s and 70s. So we had so DDT. They used to spray it on almost, kids, right? Is that the stuff they spray on the kids? They did spray it on the kids too. Yeah. yeah, but they they found that it was going to pretty much single-handedly eradicate the bird population if they didn't do something about it. So that was and and we're we're still seeing repercussions from that. We know that the bee population is adversely affected by a lot of, you know, a lot of these pesticides that are still in use. Um, what is it? Are you talking about herbicides too? Is that on your list or is that fall under this? Oh, please bring it. Yeah. Bring it up into this. Would this, would that be like Roundup? Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, again, dude, there's still plenty of people that seem okay with it. You could buy it at the hardware store and spray it in your yard. Right. Despite the fact that they are under huge litigation. Right, and you and can't use it in the rest of the world, just here, mostly. Right, and it's absolutely been proven that there's a connection between that and a huge increase in cancers. 100%. Um, so all of this has gotten into our water supply. We, we, have, we have tried to outsmart nature in the, in the same vein, right? Like, let's talk about, so pesticides. Oh, we're going to get rid of all the pests. Okay. Now we're going to make the, now we're going to make the plants stronger to resist the pests. We're going to make, you know, pest resistant plants. We have altered our food source in so many ways. And there, there are, there are people who think this is wonderful too, but like, let's just take wheat, for example, wheat has been hybridized. So not necessarily through genetic engineering, like in a lab, but altered, changed, grown so much in the last 70 years that it is virtually unrecognizable to our biology. Correct. So we have been seeing 
uh, in the past decade, I would say, a huge increase in awareness over gluten. Oh, gluten is this, gluten is a problem, gluten, my body is reacting to gluten. And for some, like celiac disease, absolutely 100%. It is a wheat allergy. They have, a, there's no question with that. But for the majority of people, I would beg the question, is gluten really the enemy? Or is it the fact that the wheat is on a chromosomal level Unrecognizable. Unrecognizable. Absolutely a totally different product. And we know this through our in our personal experience, right? What what happens when like so you you I would say are more sensitive to wheat and dairy than say I, right? Yes. When you have regular wheat, we discovered this a number of years ago when we started eating more paleo, we were starting to eliminate some of these things from our diet, you discovered that you are almost immediately sensitive to wheat. Yes. Right? Um, so like bloating, discomfort, gas, Flatulence. yes, that's my favorite. Um, and what happens if we, when we use ancient grain, so einkorn, spelt amaranth, quinoa, yeah, nothing, nothing. <laughs> so those, the, so I'm surprised einkorn, you kicked me out of bed the other night when I had a few beers at that party. <laughs> Because I, I was ready to kick myself out. <laughs> I woke up and I could taste it in the air. It was terrible. Yeah. There's a reason why I have diffusers in the room. Yeah. Yeah. Thank God. Um, so wheat, the majority of wheat that's on the market today has been altered so far from nature that our bodies cannot digest it. Einkorn, for example, is an ancient wheat. And it digests so much better. We see it immediately in our family. You and um, you and our youngest, I think, are the most the most sensitive to it. But even I notice a difference. I feel much better when we're eating wheat that is more closely aligned with what nature intended. Right? It hasn't been altered. It hasn't been hybridized. It hasn't been changed to make production easier for the equipment. Right? Or production more like that's part of why they hybridize wheat is that it makes it easier to grow it makes it easier for the equipment to harvest well, they can grow it, more of it it makes it um, and resistant roundup ready round oh yes roundup ready which then they spray even if they say they don't use it during the growing processes they can still spray it after they spray it to dry it out too yeah. at the end so so that's the thing is like on the one hand it gets labeled, you know, like there's something wrong with the individual. Like the individual has a condition called gluten intolerance or gluten sensitivity or right. celiac disease, which is, you know, an allergy to gluten. But it, the there's nothing wrong with the individual. Like if it, it, the individual it, is reacting the individual appropriately. Is having a reaction to poison. Right? right, so there's it is poison that they are spraying on this product that is not the same. I shouldn't say product, but it is product. I mean, the product is made. Products are made out of it, um, but th this uh, this organism, if you will, that is not the same organism that our species evolved with to be able to ingest. So, um, so if you, I mean, if, if you give 
your dog a bunch of stuff that dogs aren't supposed to eat, they get sick, but it doesn't mean there's something wrong with your dog. Right. It just means that you shouldn't have gave them that. Um, so. Well, and this is, we could, you know, all of these topics we could probably do entire episodes on, but I just wanted to share them as an example. So this was an example of us trying to conquer nature, us trying to remove a part of nature from our existence to make it easier for us. And it ends up going horribly awry, whether we're talking about the ecosystem imbalance, the effects on birds and bees, bees, which we need to pollinate the food that we eat. If bees disappear, we are in serious trouble. Mm -hmm. The pollution of the water, the changing of the food to the point where it's making us sick and we don't even recognize it. However, on the, on the alternate side of that, you and I have, have looked a lot and we've read a lot into um, how important it is to have the, the smaller farms, the local food. Um, farmers who are trying to work with nature find that it's much more successful, right? Like, what do right. they call that? Permaculture. Mm -hmm. um, who is the who's the farmer? Joel Salatin. Joel Salatin, right? And his way of of using working S with nature, sustainable, sustainable agriculture. Yes. So the argument, as we'll get on the table, because the the argument against this is that that. Those like old school, small scale farms aren't enough to feed the giant population of the earth. And they claim that genetically modified foods have transformed, you know, and brought, you know, food to the world that, you know, didn't necessarily have it. And, um, and I have to call BS on that because for several reasons, one, the the yield is not that much greater, right? And the and the yield again, you're pay, you're 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 comparing short term gains to long term sustainability for one thing, but right. but just in terms of even if you said that that's you know you're comparing apples to apples, uh, it's not a significant increase in yield. It's it's a small increase, and and for what to have um, you know we have food that gets thrown away in our country like all the time right so it's, it's not feeding the amount. world it's not it's more than we can consume um and it's it's uh it, it, you know and it's going into processed foods for the most part like it's going into like everything that's in the grocery store that's not in the outside aisles uh is all manufactured processed food products and they're all you know that's the, that's the market for this so you, it, everything's made out of wheat and soy and corn and and uh you know all of these you know it's genetically modified heavily subsidized by the government foods right so not to mm -hmm. uh, you know i won't rant about the government <laughs> again apparently you say i ranted i don't remember this well uh, i don't listen to these after we record them though so maybe it's true but no um, you you were just you you had a, a you just had a vision in mind that last time like you were like i need to say all of this and so today was my was, day was it about the government um, yes. Yeah. 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 Uh, maybe, and, and healthcare. Maybe you're right. Okay. So, um, <laughs> anyway, they, you know, so we subsidize this nonsense because why? Well, because these giant multinational, uh, uh, you know, giants of industry, the, the, the Monsanto and, and the like, like, you know, they own the politicians just like the drug companies do. And so it's, uh, it's incentivized because, because, uh, you know, it's good for them, but, 
the other argument, so the third thing, so one is the the it's a small, to, you know, negligible um, increase in, in yield. Two, we're throwing a lot of it away. And then three, the third thing is a, a lot of countries have banned GMOs and have banned Roundup. And right, mm -hmm. so other countries that have a stake in uh, their people being healthy. Um, I'm not a fan of socialized medicine, but boy, it seems like when the government gets the bill for the sick people, they're not as anxious to make them sick. Mm -hmm. So, um, so you know, they, instead of making money off of it, yeah. So it's the argument. I mean, you. I mean, I am I wrong? Is Europe much more densely populated than the United States? I'd say it is, right? Um, I don't know. I don't have the numbers on that. Well, I, I, I think so. I mean, yeah. we have vast, uh, untapped, right. uh, um, you know, land mass. We have that, a lot of that. that land. Uh, um, you know, with, with little, you know, with sparse population, whereas like most of Europe is fairly populated. But at any rate, like they're they're able to uh, sustain themselves with, um, I mean, I'm, I'm not saying they're 100% organic or anything like that, but I'm saying that they're, they, there's, it's a lot more, the food is a lot more natural. Like, boy, well, look, fresh, look at all the beer local. I drank there and didn't get uh, all farty. <laughs> I put it to the test too. Yeah. Okay, so this, so this I wanted to bring up, this was an example of when we have tried to, so to speak, conquer nature. And, and we continue to fail at it. Another example I know you're going to be passionate about is birth. Mm. And I bring that up because we have had births on two very wide different parts of the spectrum. One home birth and one with, you know, emergency All intervention. the intervention you could have. All the things you could have, which is what I say. I, I will continue to say this. That is what our medical system is the best at yes. is emergency medicine. Right. But when it comes to health, if it wasn't for modern medicine, Gabriel would not exist. So right. I want to acknowledge that. But birth, historically speaking, in the past, uh, I don't know, the past century or so, has been something that humans have been trying to control and take over and say like well we can do it better and it continues to not be true in my opinion <laughs> so we have so for example let's just uh you know bringing up some of the things like oh well let's you know what we can do we can do this better we can make this you know painless and and um you know We'll, we'll fix everything with modern medicine and, and just make it so it's as easy as possible. In the meantime, it is the worst possible for nature, <laughs> right? So let's, let's take simple things like we're going to lay you on your back. Right. So if you put somebody easy. on their back with their feet in the air, it closes the diameter of right. the pelvic opening, the birth canal, by a third. Easier for the doctor. Easier for the doctor. Not so good for the mom. Or the baby. Correct. Or the birth. So more likely to have to have intervention. Okay. Pesiotomy, forceps, uh, and now, you know, strangely, labor is not progressing. Let's let's give you pitocin. Yes. So. Right. Or pitocin is for pain. Oh, you're no, no. no pitocin, no, pitocin is, is for to... induction, but so okay. the wait. So the I mean, you touched on a little bit, but but. Um, we should elaborate on it, and this is where I have to choose my words very carefully because I'm a man, right? So I, I, uh, I, I don't want to sound like I'm, I'm judging anybody's choices 
um, for how they do their thing because certainly, um, you know, I, I never had to give birth and never right. will have to give birth. And I understand that, you know, it's not easy. So I, I don't want, I don't, I don't want anybody to, to you know, think I'm judging them for what they've had. Cause obviously, you know, we, we've had it both ways, as you said. Um, but I think it's sold as, and like you said, it like that, you know, medical intervention will make it easier, right? If right. we give you something for the pain, um, you will have less pain, mm-hmm. right? And I don't believe that that's true. And, I, and I'll say why, and please, again, you know, I mean, you step in if I'm going to get in trouble. Right? I don't... <laughs> I'll do my best. But... So if you even take like a, you know, an aspirin or a Tylenol or something like very like benign, or, you know, it's not that benign, but I mean fairly benign for pain, the 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 likelihood that you that you'll have to induce becomes like way higher because it's going to slow down the natural process. So with childbirth, there's a natural um, sort of a, a building, of, you know, and there's there's the, you know it's very painful. Um, but then the you know the body's natural pain chemicals, the endorphins kick in, mm-hmm. and you know the, the, from what I understand, um, there's sort of a euphoric state that's reached, and then you know the, the, the you know mothers go from feeling like there's no way they could tolerate it to like feeling like really good about it, you know, and and yes. and, um, and 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 the contractions, for example, the the, the are wave-like in their in their um, quality so they uh they you know build slowly they peak and then they come down and then the waves keep getting um you know higher and higher and closer and closer together and so there's a building that happens and a, and a, a natural progression that you know makes it doable while initially very painful so you know so people understand this being painful and so then what happens is you have uh like um analgesic is administered and then uh, which then necessitates pitocin well pitocin is is uh, you know it, it it stimulates the contractions but the pitocin contractions are are not wave-like they're they're you know i've heard them described as jackhammer like right mm-hmm. and so the the idea that you can through your know, modern chemistry sort of escape the pain of childbirth you know, like, like the mother's like, yeah, give me all the drugs you got. Like, you know, the it's it's based on that sort of false sort of. Uh, well, and that women in general have been scared away from trusting their own body. Correct. And it's not that it's not that there aren't situations for modern medicine. Obviously, right. there are. Yeah, emergencies happen. Right. We we've had one, but we've also had a natural birth, and and the diff, the. Yeah, you've done it both ways. So. I've done it both ways. I get to I get to speak to both, <laughs> but but I did I did not have pitocin. I had um, I was I was unconscious. Right. Um, but the but, but it took you a long time to get over that though, right? I yes, mean, that was that was awful. Yeah. And there's no way I would have been able to like it, to even hold my baby after like all of that, right? Like it was just it was mm-hmm. crazy circumstances. But that's a story maybe for another day. But. The, the fact that we are sold, that we cannot handle it when we have, in fact, been handling it for 100,000 100, years or more. Yes. Um, 
the fact that we are sold that and then told our the the medical way is better, but yet those of us who look at this and we deeply study it and we go, well, wait a second, is this really true? We find so many inconsistencies with that reality. So not only is that birth process interrupted, we do the painkillers, it slows down labor. Even the stress of going into a hospital can slow down labor. And so then once you're in the hospital, if you're not on their timeline, they say, well, it's time to speed this up, yeah. let's do this. And then it throws everything off and your natural hormones never get a chance to do what they are designed to do. And that that affects you, and that affects the baby. Yes. That affects bonding. That affects milk coming in. That affects depression. postpartum depression. There's all of these factors, and uh, we don't. Not many people talk about it. Not many people talk about those things because for modern medicine, isn't it great? You can walk in and you can schedule your C-section and be out when you know when you want to. And I guess, but what are we losing? What are we losing by by not? Right. understanding or, or wanting and to know more of what the natural in fairness right i mean there's le less are. less um women purportedly die during childbirth less uh, infants die during childbirth it, right so like the, there's it's good that be, there's people who know how to do extreme intervention and that yes it's possible but but everything doesn't have problem, to become right because surgery. because there's no there's no like to to study and to um, encourage right. There's there's no money in studying uh, the, the benefits of um, natural childbirth, home birth, uh, water birth, um, having your partner partner assisted labor, like you know all of these these um, sort of. Uh, tried and true like long to long standing methods that you know how it was always done there there's no extra there's no financial sort of like funding for studies research right like who where did the research come from all of the companies that make the uh the uh, ultrasound machines the companies that make the um uh, uh drugs the pitocin and the and the you know the um when they give you epidurals and then when they do all these other things, right? So, so there's, there's a huge sort of, uh, um, you know, standard of care that's, that is influenced hugely by these, um, industries, if you will, mm -hmm. where there is a lot of money. So that the standard of care becomes one of like, if you're not doing all of the things, if you're not doing all the interventions that you could be doing, and then God forbid there is a, an adverse outcome of some kind, well then, um, you're, the, the, you're liable for not, you know, why didn't you do this? Why didn't you do that? Right. Versus if you do all the things and there's an adverse outcome, which there often is, right? I mean, there's mm -hmm. a lot of birth trauma that happens as a result of uh, too much intervention. Um, well, then, you know, you were the doctor and the, the, the facility and the, all the people involved were following the standard of care. So their liability is minimized, you know, and it's just it's and I'm not blaming anybody. I'm not trying to say that, that, you know, people are wrong. And again, I'm glad there's people who know how to do these things because it's not that the procedures themselves have no merit. It's that, that that's the first line of right that there's right. there's nobody um encouraging people like you know, with uh, of course we talked about you know the our two boys but you know the my first sort of 
look at this was with my daughter and and you know so her mother is now a doula based on her experience right so mm -hmm. so mari had um you know, we didn't have exactly the experience we had hoped. We had more intervention than we were expecting, and and you know, led her to be an advocate for uh, pregnant moms. You know, and that and which is pretty awesome in itself. But um, I remember like going to those first birth classes as a you know twenty-something-year-old guy that I was, uh, and you know, and, and and having had the experience and knowing what I know from being an ICPA chiropractor, and and I knew a lot of things or had been exposed to a lot of things that we. Uh, we're just discussing, but um, you know, we—I remember going to the, the the birth classes, and you know, you, you watch all these videos of different birth scenarios, right? And so they 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 give you examples of different things, and I remember like you know the other couples being there and, and have you know the, hearing the moms say like I want all the drugs and I and I and I, I I hope they can you know knock me out for this or I hope that you know I, I'm just I just want to have a C-section or like this kind of thing because but we're watching the videos. And you know they're, they're scary to watch. Like you see the moms cringing because like these women are like writhing and pain and screaming and mm -hmm. and but these were like the pitocin births, right? Right. And then we watch videos of natural birth and and you know the the women were fairly euphoric when the baby came. Like the women. I can by, vouch for that. By the time the babies came in the other videos, like these women were just a mess and they could barely function, mm -hmm. and and you know it was hard to watch. And yet it didn't dissuade anybody. Like, I, you know, I, I wanted to be like, well, didn't you watch the same videos? Like, did you see which women had like the, the more pleasant experience overall? Right. And, and, um, you know, so that, but that's the thing. So it doesn't occur to people because, you know, we've kind of bought the, what they're selling as collectively as far as the, you know, more drugs is better. Right. And so many other areas as well, but this is one of them, right? Where it's the, a natural uh, event, a natural life event that if humans hadn't been able to do it all this time, we wouldn't be here. Uh, it's only recently, right? I mean, in the rest of the world too, it's, I, I want to say it's something like 99% of births outside the United States, or 90%, I don't want to exaggerate. I think it's something like 90% of births outside the United States, which is still high, right, are attended by midwives mm -hmm. in you know birthing centers or in the home it's only in the united states where 99 percent of births are attended by surgeons right like where right. you have you're going Which, to what a, is a, a, a hospital <laughs> to to, to right. do this uh and you know attended to by doctors nurses surgeons and all these procedures so so the idea that we're doing a better job because we have all this technology and all the ability to do all these things isn't the whole story because it's it, it happens in the rest of the world all the time in a, in a less invasive way right and so and, and a lot of it has to do with just like you said like what what we're shown there when I started exploring this path and realizing like wow like these these natural birth stories are amazing like these they're and I can vouch because I have had one right so the yes is it hard <laughs> absolutely but that euphoria that hor the that mix of hormones after the birth is an incredible feeling i don't think i've ever felt anything like that and and so what i'm saying is like no do we have all the answers absolutely not and these are general these are generalized concepts that i'm bringing to this podcast but 
there is a whole side of birth and and there are people researching and there are people looking into it but they don't have the big money behind them um but there there is an incredible amount of wisdom in our bodies and in what nature has already provided that we tend to think we know better and in the end we we don't always like there there's and often we don't this is my argument we don't often know better and if we would learn to look at this this incredible what nature has already provided us we could probably make safer healthier births happen naturally in a much more profound way much less birth trauma much less um you know, trauma for moms feeling, you know, disempowered. What if we had an empowering, you know, birth movement? Like this is like, how incredible would that be? Instead of so many people, again, on the side of fear over births. So like I said, this is just an example. I didn't want to spend like the whole time talking about births and, and I'm being general here, but I wanted to just give examples of like this faulty premise that we can go against nature and that we have it better, right? Because I'm going back to this article that made me so mad about like, right. it's, it's us against the viruses, okay? So we talked about pesticides and how that has led to pesticides and farming practices, birth. Um, I, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna just touch upon very briefly here because I have some other things that I want to talk about. Uh, the other thing that, that drove me nuts about this article, but um, we talked about this a little bit with the pesticides, but there's, I feel like anyone who is aware of environment, you know, environmental issues at all in any way, like whether you're interested in climate change, um, whether you're interested in just, you know, remember when I was younger, like the save the rainforest campaign, um, whether you're interested in bees, all of these environmental things, I think it's naive for us to continue to deny our part in nature has a significant impact on ecosystems, mm. um, imbalance in ecosystems. How and and there's we have a lot of things that we do not understand that we have impacted. We only see sometimes in the retrospect, right? So um, taking it from you know the the personal of birth, right, to the grand scheme of nature as a whole, there. I, I, I recently read a book, um, Dr. Stefan, Stefano Mancuso, uh, and he was talking about like this, this world of plants, like the, the, the way, the intelligence of plants that we have no concept of, like we're only just beginning to understand how plants communicate with each other. There are entire webs of roots under the soil that are sending messages back and forth to each other like there's there's so much that we don't know i read recently i was ronan and i were, were reading a book and i learned and this blew my mind right like dust from the sahara desert right so northern africa dust from the desert is picked up by the wind brought over just because of the way that, you know, nature, you know, the wind systems work brought over to South America and deposited in the South American rainforest. And this is a critical part of the natural replenishment of the nutrients in the soil of the rainforest. Hmm. So the rainforest is depending on the Sahara desert across an ocean in order to, to become replenished. 
And so on the, the smallest level of like, we don't understand what's going on inside of plants to the biggest level of like, oh my goodness, like the Sahara and the rainforest are connected. I just, I, I dare say that we as humans have no freaking clue what we're doing <laughs> when we try to uh, conquer or control a part of nature. And we would be much better off, so much better off, if we would take a step back and look at this, the miraculous world around us with more curiosity and interest and a desire to understand before we say it's us against them. Yeah. We've got to eradicate these viruses because there, there is a, a, I think we brought this up in an earlier podcast, but I, I remember hearing about the, the virome, right? We're only just beginning to understand this, this, the virus part of nature, but there are virus particles all around us all the time. And what are they? They're genetic material. They're here for a purpose. They're here for a reason. There is something about them. And, and there's a, a theory that they might be part of our, our, how nature sort of upgrades, it upgrades its genetic material. Mm-hmm. So are we going to wreck that? <laughs> are we going to wreck that before we understand that? I think we're going to try. Probably. We're probably going to try really hard. Um, but this, this was, you know, just for me, I'm really, I'm so passionate about like, there is so much wisdom in nature and we have to stop thinking that we can just bulldoze it for lack of a better term, outsmart it. Outsmart it. How about we, how about we have respect for it? What if we looked at this and had respect for it? And so this was the, this is the other part of shifting the conversation. So not only can we have respect for viruses and the, and the virome and like what's going on and try to understand it as we try to move through these things. So, you know, it's not, it's not the world against the viruses. I think that's ridiculous. It is, uh, what if we, it was, it was the world trying to understand our place in this natural ecosystem that exists. But what if we also had miraculous respect for our own bodies and our resilience to what nature, you know, like what nature entails, like we have existed for hundreds of thousands of years. It's not because of lack of viruses. It's not because of lack of bacteria, bacteria. In fact, we learn more and more that it's partly because of that. So, the other thing that really drove me nuts about this article is all of those five things, right? The, the five things to get right before the next pandemic, pathogen surveillance, repairing and augmenting the WHO, genetic sequencing, developing more vaccines faster, ironing out distribution and logistics. Not one of these is about health. <laughs> yeah. Not one of them is about how can we be healthier how can we support the resilience of the human body that we know is here, that we know we have? And that is what I was just like, what, what if instead of, how to- of talking about how strong this virus is, we shift the conversation, how strong and amazing is the human body when can, healthy and vibrant? How can we give it what it needs? How can we give it more of what can it we needs? Give it, yeah, how can we give it what it needs? And so I thought... Um, you know, we're sort of we're sort of wrapping up here, but I wanted to touch upon some of these topics, and then maybe in the future we can dive a little deeper. So 
I wrote out a short list of like what I feel we do in our lives to give our bodies what it needs. Um, and I, I wanted to, you know, talk it through with you and see if you have anything to add. So first on my list was like food, mm. nutrition, whole foods, local foods. You can go out there and you can find all kinds of different diets, right? And I, I'm not, I'm not going to go out and say like, you need to eat this way because I think that's BS. I think everybody needs to be nourished differently. And, and a lot of it is become, it's like tuning into your body and understanding what your body needs. However, I think probably you and I could agree on very simply whole foods. Mm -hmm. Don't eat from that, the, the, internal section of the grocery store that's all processed foods right i think they say like walk around the outside that's where you pull from um if you're going to a grocery store even better find a local farmer find a csa eat whole foods eat local foods and you're going to and and find farmers that um nourish their their farms they they work to balance their farms they work to replenish the soil by by natural processes um for me i feel like that's kind of a cornerstone foundation to health movement mm. awareness of and lowering our exposure to environmental toxins mm -hmm. time in nature mm -hmm. um, I'm, I'm putting all of this under alignment so you and I we we chiropractic is obviously a huge part of our life acupuncture essential oils um, I kind of put that, I, they, they feel to me, they're all about alignment and connecting with, connecting with something bigger, which is on a spiritual level, but also being aligned within our body, giving our body those tools, making sure we can function at our best. Right. So it's like that, that alignment covers a lot of like, whether, you know, maybe it's energy, maybe it's structural, maybe it's spiritual, all of that. But that kind of fell under alignment for me when I was writing these out. Um, and also in terms of a spiritual practice, you know, whatever that might be, meditation, prayer, journaling, that connection to something bigger than ourselves and then emotional and mental health, understanding how much our thoughts affect us. Mm -hmm. Um, the, the podcast last week with Patty McLean, we talked a good portion about that, um, but I think it can't be stressed enough how much our emotions and our mental state play into the, the, our body. And that is one of the reasons why we are so, Joe and I are so passionate about saying to get out of the state of fear. Like you say, are, the, the word empowerment is yes. what you're making me think of right now, right? And, and yeah. Which is a way better place to be focused, focus on empowering yourself, empowering others, rather than fear and all that comes with it. Yeah. Do you have anything to add to that list? How'd I do? I think that's a good list. <laughs> I'm just trying to think of like, why, what are the things that we do? I'm sure there's things that could be added. Yeah, I mean, that's, a, that's definitely a good list to work from. And you know, certainly, again, think of that whole empowerment thing, thinking of the whole sort of pre-existing condition thing that's on the, like, you're getting a lot more attention lately, in my opinion, than usual, right? I mean, I, I like, again, I, I think 
modern medicine has a place. Absolutely. However, there's a difference between, you know, having a health condition related to the aging process or to a, you know, to a previous, uh, you know, injury or illness or something like that and, and you know, requiring some help with, from uh, modern medicine versus like the idea that you're not good enough and that like, you know, there's a drug for that. Mm -hmm. You know, it's a different way of, of looking at it. Oh, we didn't even get into, I had that on my list too of like how we try to outsmart nature with, you know, chemistry. Yeah. Yeah, I mean that's. But yes. We talk about that forever, but 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 that's that's the thing. Like I think a lot of people just assume that it's normal to be medicated for many things for the rest of your life, um, and you know it's common maybe, but that common doesn't make it normal. Like common doesn't make it um, inevitable. And, you know, it's certainly um, conceivable to think that, you know, both things could be true at once. You could be doing all of the things that you mentioned to, to give yourself the best, most empowered, you know, uh, most uh, adapted response to the environment and the stresses that we encounter in our day-to-day -day lives. And... You know, and, and still have a need for, uh, you know, radical intervention of some kind. But, but that certainly you'd be minimizing the, the your dependence on mm. that. Or even how better might your recovery be? Right. How how right. much? You, you know, know you there's might, so many. You might, need a, you might need to have a hip replacement someday. But, you know, you, there's a difference between putting a shiny new part in a, in an old jalopy and putting a, a shiny new part in a in a race car mm -hmm. you know so be the race car <laughs> i like that hashtag be the race car <laughs> <laughs> so i also in terms of empowering as we wrap up here you know i have that whole list i i want everyone to understand similar to what what patty and i talked about this is not um this is something we've come to over time like these different pieces have come into our life at different times. That's why I'm like, I'm sure there's more. There's stuff we haven't even discovered yet. But to, if you are starting on this journey or if you are in the middle of, of you know, what, wherever you are at, to look at what's the next thing that you want to incorporate. Don't try to, it's not about doing it all at once. That's, that doesn't typically last. But it's like, well, what's the next thing if food is, is, the big issue then maybe focus on food say this is this is going to be my focus this is my intention for the next couple months and i really want to get a handle on this if movement is an issue if getting outside you know whatever it might be um find your next one thing and focus there don't let it overwhelm you I know sometimes I can be like, oh, I'm not, I'm not doing enough. I'm not doing all the things. And that's such a, that's a disempowering place to be. So find your empowering place. Say, this is my next one thing and go for it. And often that will lead into all of these other areas in incredible ways. Very much. 
one small step is still a step in the right direction. Very true. Well, thank you for coming with us on this, <laughs> on my rant today. <laughs> I don't think you were I very ranty. I, I, all right, maybe it's not a rant. What would it be? I don't know. I think that was, you were very, you gave a very level-headed description of the yes. obviously ridiculous article. <laughs> I was just so annoyed. I figured it was a rant. No. But. So was mine really a rant or? No, not really. I don't think so. I don't know. Maybe it was. <laughs> I think we balance each other out that way. I guess. It's good. We prevent the rant. <laughs> All right. Thanks everyone for listening. We'll see you next time. Bye. Hi friends. Thank you for listening. If you liked what you heard today, please share with others. A movement is not a movement without people. At the very least, we hope that we bring ideas that make us think and ponder and just question our assumptions. And at the most, we hope we empower others to create their lives living above, down, inside out. Thank you as always for listening and we'll see you next time.